Section four of Dissertation on Oriental Gardening by Sir William Chambers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Peter Yearsley. Section four. In straight roads of smaller dimensions, the Chinese very artfully imitate the irregular workings of nature, for although the general direction be a straight line, yet they easily avoid all appearance of stiffness or formality by planting some of the trees out of the common line, by inclining some of them out of an upright, or by employing different species of plants and placing them at irregular distances, with their stems sometimes bare and at other times covered with honeysuckle and sweet briar, or surrounded with underwood. They likewise cut and dispose the branches of the trees in various manners, some being suffered to spread, to cover and shade the walks, whilst others are shortened to admit the sun. The ground, too, is composed of rises and falls, and the banks on each side of the walk are in some places of a considerable height, forming hollow ways, which they often cover at the top with bushes and trunks of fallen trees. Frequently, too, the course of the walk is interrupted by a large oak or elm or tulipifera, placed in the middle, or by a screen of trees running quite across, which, when the part on one side of the screen is opened and illuminated by the sun, and the part on the other side close and shaded, produces a pleasing contrast. I have often seen in China berceaux and arbours, not of latticework as in France, but of bamboo, hazel, and elm, whose branches being interwoven at the top, formed an arch not at all displeasing to the eye, and exceedingly useful during the heats of summer, and to render these cool retreats more agreeable, jessamine, scarlet beans, sweet-scented peas, granadillas of several sorts, nasturtiums, the convolvulus major, and many other kinds of climbers, were planted round the outside, which, forcing their way through, enriched the sides and arches of the walks in a very beautiful manner. I have likewise seen, in Chinese plantations, walks bordered with the cut yew and elm hedges, so common in most countries of Europe, which the Chinese artists sometimes admit of for variety's sake, but they never have the stiff appearance of our European ones. The shears are used sparingly. Towards the top, the branches are suffered to spread unmolested, and even in the cut parts of them are seen large masses of other plants forcing their way through, such as the sycamore, the fig, the vine, and others whose foliage and verdure are most opposite to those of the hedge. The dimensions both of their straight roads and walks vary according to the purposes they are designed for, and, in some degree too, according to their length. Roads or avenues to considerable objects are, as has been observed, generally composed of three parallel walks, that in the middle being from thirty to one hundred and fifty, or even two hundred feet wide, those on the sides from fifteen to forty. In their gardens the principal straight walks are never narrower than twenty feet, and seldom broader than forty-five or fifty, and the smallest are at least twelve feet wide. Thirty to thirty-six feet is called a sufficient width for a length of two hundred yards, forty to fifty for one of four hundred, sixty for one of six hundred, and seventy for a length of eight hundred yards. 
and when the extent is more than this last dimension they do not tie themselves up to any proportion but increase their width as much as they conveniently can never however exceeding one hundred and fifty to two hundred feet which they think the utmost width that can be given without rendering the avenue disproportionate to the trees that border it in the construction of roads and walks the chinese gardeners are very expert and very circumspect they never situate them at the foot of mountains or rising grounds without contriving drains to receive the waters descending from the heights which are afterwards discharged by arched gullies under the roads into the plains below forming in the rainy season a great number of little cascades that increase the beauty of the scenery the roads which are designed for carriages they make as level as possible giving them a solid bottom and shaping them so as to throw off the rainwaters expeditiously they use as much as possible the nearest materials to save expense and are very judicious in employing different soils to form mixtures which never become either hard or slippery never loose in dry weather nor deep in wet not easily ground into powder nor ever forming a rough flinty surface difficult and painful for horses to move upon their walks are either of grass of gravel or chippings of stone covered with a small quantity of coarse river sand the first sort which are seldom used but in private gardens they being too liable to be spoiled in public walks are made of the finest and cleanest turf that can be found on downs and commons and they are kept in order by frequent mowing and rolling with large iron rollers the second sort are made of binding gravel laid about six inches deep upon the natural ground if it be dry or if swampy upon brick rubbish flint stones or any other hard material easiest to be had and these are also kept firm and in great beauty by being frequently rolled those of stone are composed of gallets laid about a foot thick rammed to a firm consistence and a regular surface upon which is put a sufficient quantity of river sand to fill up all the interstices this done the whole is moistened and well rammed again both in their roads and walks they are very careful to contrive sink stones with proper drains and cesspools for carrying off the waters after violent rains and to those that are upon descents they never give more fall at the most than half an inch to every foot to prevent their being damaged by the current of the rainwaters as china even in the northern provinces is exceedingly hot during summer much water is employed in their gardens in the small ones where the situation admits they frequently lay the greatest part of the ground under water leaving only some islands and rocks and in their large compositions every valley has its brook or rivulet winding round the feet of the hills and discharging themselves into larger rivers and lakes their artists assert that no garden particularly if it be extensive can be perfect without that element distributed in many shapes saying that it is refreshing and grateful to the sense in the seasons when rural scenes are most frequented that it is a principal source of of variety from the diversity of forms and changes of which it is susceptible and from the different manners in which it may be combined with other objects that its impressions are numerous and uncommonly forcible 
and that by various modifications it enables the artist to strengthen the character of every composition to increase the tranquillity of the quiet scene to give gloom to the melancholy gaiety to the pleasing sublimity to the great and horror to the terrible they observe that the different aquatic sports of rowing sailing swimming fishing hunting and combating are an inexhaustible fund of amusements that the birds and fishes inhabitants of the water are highly entertaining especially to naturalists and that the boats or vessels which appear upon its bosom sometimes furiously impelled by tempests at others gently gliding over the smooth surface form by their combinations a thousand momentary varied pictures that animate and embellish every prospect they compare a clear lake in a calm sunny day to a rich piece of painting upon which the circumambient objects are represented in the highest perfection and say it is like an aperture in the world through which you see another world another sun and other skies they also remark that the beauty of vegetable nature depends in a great degree upon an abundant supply of water which at the same time that it produces variety and contrast in the scenery enriches the verdure of the lawns and gives health and vigour to the plantations their lakes are made as large as the ground will admit some several miles in circumference and they are so shaped that from no single point of view all their terminations can be seen so that the spectator is always kept in ignorance of their extent they intersperse in them many islands which serve to give intricacy to the form to conceal the bounds and to enrich the scenery some of these are very small sufficient only to contain one or two weeping willows birch larch laburnum or some other pendant plants whose branches hang over the water but others are large highly cultivated and enriched with lawns shrubberies thickets and buildings or they are rugged mountainous and surrounded with rocks and shoals being covered with fern high grass and some straggling large trees planted in the valleys amongst which are often seen stalking along the elephant the tin young or man-bear the rhinoceros the dromedary the ostrich and the sin-sin or black giant baboon there are other islands raised to a considerable height by a succession of terraces communicating with each other by various flights of magnificent steps at the angles of all these terraces as well as upon the sides of the steps are placed many brazen tripods that smoke with incense and upon the uppermost platform is generally erected a lofty tower for astronomical observations an elegant temple filled with idols the colossal statue of a god or some other considerable work serving at the same time as an ornament to the garden and as an object to the whole country they also introduce in their lakes large artificial rocks built of a particular fine-coloured stone found on the sea coasts of china and designed with much taste these are pierced with many openings through which you discover distant prospects they have in them caverns for the reception of tortoises crocodiles enormous water serpents and other monsters with cages for rare aquatic birds 
and grottoes divided into many shining apartments adorned with marine productions and gems of various sorts they plant upon these rocks all kinds of grass creepers and shrubs which thrive in such situations as moss ground ivy fern stonecrop common house leek and various other sorts of the sedum cranesbill dwarf box rock roses and broom with some trees rooted into the crevices and they place on their summits hermitages and idle temples to which you ascend by many rugged winding steps cut in the rock but far the most extraordinary as well as the most pleasing of their aquatic constructions are the Ta or submerged habitations consisting of many galleries cabinets and spacious halls built entirely under water their walls are decorated with beautiful shells corals and sea plants of all sorts formed into many singular shapes and sunk into various irregular recesses in which are placed in due order fung shang god of the winds bong hoi monarch of the sea shu kong king of the waters with all the inferior powers of the deep the pavements are laid in compartments of jasper agate and madrepores of hainang of many extraordinary kinds the ceilings are entirely of glass which admits the light through the medium of the water that rises several feet above the summits of these structures the glass is of various bright colours very strong and the different pieces artfully joined to resist the pressure of the fluid with which they are loaded the use of these habitations is the same as that of the miao tang before described they are resorted to in very hot weather to feast and to enjoy and it is singularly entertaining in the intervals of pleasure to observe through the crystal ceilings the agitation of the waters the passage of vessels and sports of the fowl and fishes that swim over the spectators heads on the borders of their lakes are seen extensive porticoes and many detached buildings of different forms and dimensions accompanied with plantations seaports with fleets of vessels lying before them forts with flags flying and batteries of cannon also thickets of flowering shrubs meadows covered with cattle cornlands cotton and sugar plantations orchards of various fruit trees and rice grounds which project into the lakes leaving in the midst of them passages for boats and in some places the borders consist of lofty woods with creeks or rivers for the admission of vessels whole banks are covered with high grass reeds and wild spreading trees forming close gloomy arbors under which the vessels pass from these arbors are cut many vistas through the woods to distant prospects of towns bridges temples and various other objects which successively strike the eye and fill the mind with expectation when suddenly a farther progress is rendered impracticable by rocks strong branches and whole trees lying across the channel between which the river is seen still to continue with many islands whereon and also in the water appear the remains of ancient structures monumental inscriptions and fragments of sculpture which serve to give an edge to curiosity and to render the disappointment more affecting sometimes too instead of being intercepted in your passage the vessel together with the whole river are by the impetuosity and particular direction of the current 
hurried into dark caverns overhung with woods whence after having been furiously impelled for some time you are again discharged into daylight upon lakes encompassed with high hanging woods rich prospects on mountains and stately temples dedicated to tien ho and the celestial spirits upon their lakes the chinese frequently exhibit sea fights processions and ship races also fireworks and illuminations in the two last of which they are more splendid and more expert than the europeans on some occasions too not only the lakes and rivers but all the pavilions and every part of their gardens are illuminated by an incredible number of beautiful lanterns of a thousand different shapes intermixed with lampions torches fire-pots and sky-rockets than which a more magnificent sight cannot be seen even the girandola and illuminations of st peter's of the vatican though far the most splendid exhibitions of that sort in europe are trifles when compared to these of china at the feast of lanterns in particular all china is illuminated during three days it seems as if the whole empire were on fire every person lights up a number of painted lanterns of various beautiful forms sometimes of horn glass or mother-of-pearl but most commonly framed of wood carved and varnished and gilt upon which is strained thin silk painted with flowers birds and human figures that receive an uncommon brilliancy from the number of lights within some there are likewise made like our magic lanterns representing by coloured shadows ships sailing armies marching horses galloping and birds flying others are full of puppets representing mountebanks buffoons boxers wrestlers and dancers which are moved by imperceptible threads the actions being accompanied by the voice of the operator modified in different manners all so conformable to the size and gestures of the figures that they seem really to speak there are likewise lanterns made in the form of tigers dromedaries and dragons of an enormous size which are painted in transparency and filled with lights these are moved about the streets by men concealed within them who artfully give to the machine every motion of the animal it represents others there are seen floating upon the lakes and rivers built like boats and vessels of various kinds or shaped like dolphins alligators and porpoises that swim and curvet upon the water others again that resemble birds fluttering amongst trees or perched on the summits of the houses on all parts of their temples triumphal arches and public structures of different kinds in short there is scarcely any form that can be imagined which is not given to some of these lanterns all executed with the greatest taste and neatness often at a very considerable expense some even to the amount of a thousand tail or nearly three hundred and fifty pounds it is likewise upon this festival that the most splendid of their fireworks are exhibited it would be tedious to describe them particularly as they resemble in many things our european ones but what is related on that head by one of the missionaries is curious and may here be inserted to give the reader an idea of chinese skill in works of this sort i was extremely surprised says the father at a firework which i saw at peking 
representing an arbour of vines. It burnt for a very considerable time without consuming. The grapes were red, the leaves green, and the colour of the stem and branches variegated in imitation of nature. All the forms were represented with the utmost precision in fires of different colours. The whole was executed with amazing art and had the most pleasing effect imaginable. Their rivers are seldom straight, but winding and broken into many irregular points. Sometimes they are narrow, noisy, and rapid, at other times deep, broad, and slow. Their banks are variegated in imitation of nature, being in some places bare and gravelly, in others covered with woods quite to the water's edge, now flat and adorned with flowers and shrubs, then steep, rocky, and forming deep winding caverns, where pigeons of the wood and waterfowl build their nests, or rising into many little hills covered with hanging groves, between which are valleys and glades watered by rivulets, and adorned with pleasure-houses, cottages, and rustic temples, with flocks of sheep and goats feeding about them. The terminations of rivers the Chinese artists hide either in woods or behind hills and buildings, or they turn them under bridges, direct them into caverns, or lose them among rocks and shoals. Both in their lakes and rivers are seen many kinds of reeds and other aquatic plants and flowers, serving for ornament as well as for covert to their birds. They erect upon them mills and other hydraulic machines, wherever the situation will permit. They introduce a great many splendid vessels, built after the manner of all nations, and keep in them all kinds of curious and beautiful waterfowl collected from different countries. Nor are they less various and magnificent in their bridges than in their other decorations. Some they build of wood and compose them of rough planks, laid in a rustic manner upon large roots of trees. Some are made of many trunks of trees thrown rudely over the stream, and fenced with decayed branches intertwined with the convolvulus and climbers of different sorts. Some are composed of vast arches of carpentry, artfully and neatly framed together. They have also bridges of stone and marble, adorned with colonnades, triumphal arches, towers, loggias, fishing pavilions, statues, bas-relief, brazen tripods, and porcelain vases. Some of them are upon a curve or a serpentine plan, others branching out into various directions, others straight, and some, at the conflux of rivers or canals, are made triangular, quadrilateral, or circular, as the situation requires, with pavilions at their angles, and basins of water in their centres, adorned with jets d'eau, and fountains of many sorts. Of these bridges some are entire, and executed with the utmost neatness and taste. Others seem in ruins, others are left half-finished, being surrounded with scaffolds, machines, and the whole apparatus of building. It is natural for the reader to imagine that all these bridges, with the pavilions, temples, palaces, and other structures, which have been occasionally described in the course of this work, and which are so abundantly scattered over the Chinese gardens, should entirely divest them of a rural character, and give them rather the appearance of splendid cities 
than scenes of cultivated vegetation but such is the judgment with which the chinese artists situate their structures that they enrich and beautify particular prospects without any detriment to the general aspect of the whole composition in which nature almost always appears predominant for though their gardens are full of buildings and other works of art yet are there many points from which none of them appear and more than two or three at a time are seldom discovered so artfully are they concealed in valleys behind rocks and mountains or amongst woods and thickets there are however for variety's sake in most of the chinese gardens particular places consecrated to scenes of an extraneous nature from whence all or the greatest part of the buildings are collected into one view rising above each other in amphitheatrical order spreading out to a considerable extent and by their whimsical combinations exhibiting the most magnificent confusion imaginable their artists knowing how powerfully contrast agitates the human mind lose no opportunity of practising sudden transitions or of displaying strong oppositions as well in the nature of the objects which enter into their composition as in their modifications thus they conduct you from limited prospects to extensive views from places of horror to scenes of delight from lakes and rivers to woods and lawns and from the simplest arrangements of nature to the most complicated productions of art to dull and gloomy colours they oppose such as are brilliant and to light they oppose darkness rendering by these means their productions not only distinct in the parts but also uncommonly striking in their total effect the cascades of the chinese which are always introduced where the ground admits and where the supply of water is sufficient are sometimes regular like those of mali triscati and tivoli but more frequently they are rude like the falls of trollheta and the nile in one place a whole river is precipitated from the summit of the mountain into the valleys beneath where it foams and whirls amongst the rocks till it falls down other precipices and buries itself in the gloom of impenetrable forests in another place the waters burst out with violence from many parts spouting a great number of cascades in different directions which through various impediments at last unite and form one vast expanse of water sometimes the view of the cascade is in a great measure intercepted by the branches which hang over it or its passage is obstructed by trees and heaps of enormous stones that seem to have been brought down by the fury of the torrent and frequently rough wooden bridges are thrown from one rock to another over the steepest parts of the cataract narrow winding paths are carried along the edges of the precipices and mills and huts are suspended over the waters the seeming dangerous situation of which adds to the horror of the scene they have likewise cascades contrived to fall from precipices in large regular sheets smooth as glass and forming arches that leave a considerable space between the rocks and the water this is laid out in fine pebble walks adorned with grass plots and borders of flowers of every sort that thrive in moist situations 
and in the upright of the rocks are hollowed grottoes with many little neat recesses placed at different heights and communicating with each other by steps or passages cut in the solid stone from whence the cascades when illumined by the sun appear like a multitude of rainbows glittering with a thousand colours and the adjacent trees buildings or other objects seen through the brilliant medium have a very uncommon picturesque effect as the chinese are so very fond of water their gardeners endeavour to obtain it by art wherever it is denied by nature for this purpose they have many ingenious inventions to collect and many machines of simple construction which raise it to almost any level at a trifling expense they use the same method for overflowing valleys that is practised in europe by forming heads of earth or masonry at their extremities where the soil is too porous to hold water they clay the bottom in the same manner that we do to make it tight and in order to prevent the inconveniences arising from stagnant waters they always contrive a considerable discharge to procure motion even where the supply is scanty which is done by conveying the discharged water back through subterranean drains into reservoirs whence it is again raised into the lake or river they always give a considerable depth to their waters at least five or six feet to prevent the rising of scum and the floating of weeds upon the surface and they are always provided with swans or such other birds as feed on weeds to keep them under in overflowing their grounds and also in draining them they take all possible care not to kill many of their old trees either by over moistening their roots or draining them too much saying that the loss of a fine old plant is irreparable that it impairs the beauty of the adjacent plantations and often likewise destroys the effect of the scenery from many points of view and in shaping their grounds they are for the same reason equally cautious with regard to the old plantations carefully observing never to bury the stems nor to expose the roots of any trees which they mean to preserve end of section 4